This episode wouldn't be possible without our sponsor, Perch. Perched is a little content management system for projects where you don't want a big, complex CMS. We will tell you more about them later in the show. This is Unfinished Business, the show that talks about the business end of web design and creative industries. Today is Friday, 26th July 2013, and this is episode 29. The show is hosted by me, Katopolkov, Andy Clark, and by my co-host, the Leaps Ice Zuvil, Anna Debenham. What? German. I've been away, haven't I? <laughs> Not in, in Germany. Germany. No, well, I see the people were speaking German around me. There's a whole kind of delegates, delegation of German people that were kind of, I don't know what they were doing, hanging around WIPO this week. <laughs> Got me into my German. In fact, really, when you're in a lift... And everybody in Switzerland, they're all really polite. So, you know, they walk into a lift and they say, you know, bonjour. And then when they walk out of the lift, not like in England, where they just, you know, bonjour, make some kind of grumpy noise. <laughs> it's like, like bonjour, or ciao, or something. So they're all, it's all very cosmopolitan atmosphere. There. Oh, that's very and nice. Everybody speaks like a million languages. So sometimes, you know, you'll be like, and then I don't know whether I'm speaking German or not. <laughs> we are officially officially allowed more banter on this show i saw and last week we were saying oh, people complained about the banter and then you put a lot of it into the after show slot yeah yeah which is great um but we've had a few emails about and uh, and tweets asking for more banter which is great so we Yay. can talk about we can talk about royal baby oh are you not excited about prince george no do you know what? I couldn't care less. <laughs> I mean, it's a nice, happy event. You know, baby's been born and, you know, I'm sure it's very cute. They put um, a live stream of outside the hospital in the office and I very quietly changed it to a live stream of um, bears. I'll put the link in the show notes because it's a really good live stream. It just shows lots of bears trying to catch salmon. Much better. That's, that's much more interesting. Much more interesting than, than a brick wall which is basically what the baby feed was. I like the jokes on Twitter about it, calling him Prince Albert, but <laughs> had a very nice ring to it. But anyway, this is a family show, so we can't talk too much about that. No, but we had... No, we can't get into that. <laughs> Not if we want to keep our iTunes rating. Okay. Maybe you can I'll tell me about after. That. I'll tell you about that in private. Um, yeah, no... We don't talk about the Royal Baby. We had an email instead from Chris Lowe. He said, for what it's worth, I like the banter. You two are quite funny. So, yeah, all you banter haters. <laughs> banter haters. And you, we got a tweet from East Coach H. East Coast... No, I can't say it. East Coast H. As Not in sure what... the train company. East Coast. No, not Coach. I can't bloody say it. East <laughs> Coast H. Anyway, I'm not sure what, which coast he was talking about. Could be Norwich. <laughs> you ever been to Norwich? Yeah, I have. Yeah, Lots of those once. bright green and yellow shirts. Yeah, I went there once. It was shut. Isn't that where Alan Partridge oh, no, that's, lives? That's Lincolnshire. Um, no, yeah, and they had, I saw this on the telly, they had the premiere of the new yeah. Alan Partridge movie. Oh, and I feel sorry for the Americans listening because they're yeah, not going to have a clue. They're not going to get it. But yeah, and they actually had the premiere. I think there was a petition to have 
this premiere in Anglia Square in Norwich as opposed to Leicester Square in London or Times Square. <laughs> there was so they actually had, and he rolled up in. I think he had like this sort of powder blue suit on. Yeah, I came. saw a picture, like kind of like a almost like a t-shirt suit, like it. The arms were cut off, kind of. It should weird. Mm-hmm. Funny though, I've never really been into Alan Partridge. Really. No, Dan's a massive fan, but I've never really found it that funny, to be honest. I, I watch it. It's funny. Did you like The Office? I'd, I've never watched the British one, but I really like the American one. Hmm. I got put off because I don't really like Ricky Gervais. Yeah, that, that kind of that's why I don't watch it. So I watched one episode of the British one years ago, and then I didn't bother with anything else. Yeah. But the American one's really good. Yeah, not seen it. Not seen it. We got this email, sorry, this tweet from East Coast H, though. He said, this is a request for more capitals, more banter, please. Same level of business, but more banter. And then he says, what's a flake? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, poor Americans. (laughs) Could be from anywhere. Imagine being on the the east coast of the US and they've got no idea what a flake is. (laughs) A flake is a delicious piece of chocolate, um... That it's quite crumbly. Um, I think the the tagline is only the crumbliest, flakiest chocolate in the world. <laughs> only the crumbliest, flakiest chocolate tastes like chocolate never tasted before. That was very good. Do you remember that? Yeah, I, I've seen the adverts. Mm, that was that was really badly sung, but <laughs> that was quite good. The spirit of the jingle. <laughs> anyway, what were we, oh yeah, flakes. Yeah, Flakes. so um, when you get when you go to an ice cream van um, in in the UK, they they offer you like an ice cream with a flake in it, which is like this dairy kind of Mister Whippy. I don't know what the American equivalent is, but it's kind of it's really nice. <sighs> and they yeah they stick a flake in it. Um, it's it's only like a third of the size of a real flake, it, which is a chocolate bar. Um, but, yeah, I, I like to get to, I get the bunny ears where they stick what? two flakes. Oh, in two it. flakes. Yeah. Do you know what? If it's nice this weekend, I'm gonna, just going to uh, bugger the diet. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to have an ice cream. Do it. Do it. I haven't had, I haven't the, had um, ice cream for weeks. They do, like, two-headed ice creams. They're called twin twin flakes. Where it's actually just one flake, but it's got like two ice creams on one cone. So it's like two cones, but one. It's Mm, like two ice creams in one. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's like a cone, but it's got two places at the top for two scoops. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're not really scoops. They're more kind of. No, they're more. If it's whippy, it's kind of like. What was that? That was the noise that the ice cream thing makes. Do they get ice cream vans in America? Do you think they have that? If they don't, I'll, I'll feel really sad. There's this whole look, like legislation around how um, how long the ice cream vans can put the jingle on. You know, they have that little song. Mm. Yeah, they're not allowed to play it um, very often. I think it's only every half an hour on every street. I think that's sad. That is sad. But they recently changed the law, apparently, so that they can play it a little bit longer. Man, you're a font of ice cream and ice cream knowledge. 
Did you want to do that? You could, did you, actually, you know, because Sarah's got her blow-dry bar side project. Oh, I should do it. I should should totally get an ice cream van. Well, if and you can drive, so you could drive it around, which is great. If you couldn't drive, you could just have one of those ice cream carts. No, 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 I want an ice cream van. You know, um, you know the guy who played Ron Weasley in Harry Potter in the film? Yeah. He has an ice cream van. That was what, like... in real life? Yeah, yeah. Wow. I want to do it. I want to get an ice cream van and I'll do my, my work from it. And then I'll get pestered for ice cream all the time and I'll tell everyone to bugger off. <laughs> it's all You'd for be like me. the least, and, least and I'll, friendly ice cream lady. I'll just like put my put my head under the pump and just like squirt ice cream into my mouth and it would be amazing. You're weird. <sighs> anyway, should we talk about contracts? Mm. Before we talk about contracts, did you see uh, Harry Roberts's post from this week yes. about making it count? Yeah, it was amazing. And what happened to Harry this week? Yeah, do you want to tell the story? No, you tell it. I'm drinking a cup of tea. Oh, okay. Um, so Harry, uh, he's, he was speaking at a conference called Speak the Web and um, he'd had a very busy week and I think he said he had about an average of three hours sleep a night um, and he was giving this talk. He just started and um, he realised that something was wrong. He he sort of couldn't hear properly, he couldn't see properly. He kept kind of screwing up his talk and then he said um I'm gonna faint and everyone started laughing and then he said no I'm actually gonna faint and then he collapsed like in front of everyone um in the middle of his talk and he's he just wrote this really lovely kind of really I know heartfelt post about kind of about how he's been overworking himself and how kind of how annoyed he was at himself because part of his talk was about burnout and and how you need to take care of yourself and he's kind of he's kind of hit a stage where he he realizes he can't go on like this he needs to kind of key things back a bit um and he's quit his job at sky and he's kind of looking for a new role and um it's oh it's a lovely blog post you've got to read it yeah i mean have you ever fainted yeah <laughs> a dentist <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember if I ever have. I think I probably did the first week of doing some exercise. I probably felt a little <laughs> bit lightheaded, but I certainly haven't done anything quite as dramatic as that. I um, almost did a talk um, because I hadn't eaten and I hadn't had anything to drink. And I you never eat really before slept. a talk, though, do you? No. And the, the thing is, it was quite late on as well. I I ask. I was asked to be to speak before lunch, so that you know and. Because I, I just can't eat. I'm too nervous to, to eat before I do a talk. Um, and I was 40 minutes into a 50-minute talk and I realised I was feeling really dizzy and I thought I was going to have to stop, but I just took a moment to have a sip of water and then I was fine. But I felt really, really rough. Yeah, no, I've never done that. I've never done that. No, it, it was a really, really good blog post. I mean, kind of, you know, all joking aside about fainting on stage and stuff. I mean, he's not, he's not an old... He's not an old fella, is he? No, and Harry? he's really fit and active, and he goes camping. And so, no, it had total respect. I sent him a message actually on Twitter because you know, total respect for yeah, you know, not only for writing this post, but you know, for what he does in yeah, general. He shouldn't feel he shouldn't feel at all ashamed about what happened. No, no, God, no. 
I've learned so much in terms of uh, object-orientated CSS um, and other things, you know, CSS style structures and stuff. Oh, Harry. yeah, he's just a genius. Yeah, he's, he's brilliant. But, <laughs> we love him. <laughs> actually, no, it'd be really good, actually, if he's not too tired, <laughs> to get him on the show at some point. Yeah. Because I would, in fact, I mean, I don't know whether you've got people lined up for, for the next few weeks when I'm not going to be around, but I would really like to hear about his feelings when it came to making that jump. Because obviously there were some lots of things going on in his head um, and he was realising that, you know, hang on a minute, this isn't actually working out for me. I'm doing all this other stuff. I'm doing all the speaking and writing and talking and open source projects and, you know, all the stuff that he does. And I'm doing my day job. So I'm speaking and then I'm rushing back to kind of do a, a full day's work. Yeah. And when you are, you know, when you have a job, not that I've had one for years, but, you know, I guess when you've had a job, it, it's a pretty daunting move to, you know, go out on your own. I remember Brad Frost was talking about it when he was on the show. Yeah. So I'd really love to know what, how, what was going through Harry's head and the kind of things that were, that he was weighing up. Yeah. You know, opportunity versus stability and, you know, all that kind of stuff that, that gets talked about. Well, I imagine that he didn't want to say no to a lot of things. You know, when, when you get really good opportunities, like when you get invited to speak somewhere, you want to say yes. And it's very difficult to kind of to to say no to things. So rather than kind of disappoint people at work, sounds like he's very busy at work on projects. Um, he just tried to cram it all in, and I think he's not going to have any trouble at all finding work. And... Lord no, <laughs> guy's a genius. I'd hire him tomorrow if you're if you're listening, Harry. I don't think you listen to the show, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I would too. <laughs> yeah, no, that guy's awesome. So it, yeah, it it makes sense if you've kind of if you find yourself burning out, you're you're trying to fit a speaking career. I mean, there are very few jobs that are compatible with doing doing lots of speaking and sort of wanting to do your own thing. Really, um, I can only think of companies like maybe Clearleft that give you that opportunity, um, and it's part of the reason why I like being freelance. I like that flexibility and just being able to say yes to things. We should get him on the show. Harry, if you're listening, not that I'm sure he does, but, you know, come on and talk to somebody. Yay. Talk to us about that. <laughs> no, it'd be fascinating. I'd love to have yeah. it. So make it happen, Anna. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe I should have a little break after you've been on holiday and, and you can interview him. Are you going on holiday this year? Not. I've not got anything lined up, but I've got oh. my first week. I mean, we both we've both finished projects this week and... This is my first week in a very, very long time, maybe in a few years, where I'm in between projects. So I finish one project and I've got a whole week to myself before the next project starts. Wow. <laughs> An entire week. I've been looking forward to this for so long. I mean, I, I told myself, you know, next project, I'm going to have a month off after I've finished. But yeah, it's kind of turned into a week. That's great. That is because you need that downtime sometimes. Yeah, and I'm going to use it to do kind of writing and getting my sort of game console research up to date, and yeah. Well, I'm sleeping, so I don't, yeah. I don't have to commute. Well, I've got three days next week: um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, as the, when the show goes out, um, which was supposed to be off. They were just supposed <laughs> to me kind of chilling and preparing and cleaning the car and you know 
checking the oil and doing all that stuff. Uh, but now they're they're full. <laughs> they're full of client work <laughs> every single that. day. So no, no, it's, I can't help it. So literally, right the way up to the evening, like a Wednesday night when when we stop, you know, which is when I'll pack up all the computers and go and take them and put them in a safe place, you know, while we, while we're away. Yeah, you know, back take take all the hard drives and stuff physically off premises. Um, I'm going to be doing that, and then like the following morning, getting in the car and driving. So it's, <laughs> I didn't want it to happen that way, but you know, life's. Life's like that. Yeah. So, yeah, we should talk about contracts. Woo. Um, just to say, I got an email. I don't know whether you got this one. I know it actually came just to me. Aww. Oh, no, no, no. I'll forward it to you now. Hmm. Um, but it's from Nick Bramwell. I'll just send it to you now. She has. Um, and Nick said, uh, I thought you might like to see this comment I've just received about my contract based very closely on Contract Killer. Mm-hmm. I'm just about to reply to her, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, he's copied in the little note that his client sent back to him when he delivered the contract. Oh, yeah. And this person says, here's a signed contract. Uh, could I just say what a great contract that is? I appreciate the time you must have taken to write and present things in such a clear and pleasant way. Oh, that's nice. I, I mean, I don't care. I mean, I'm not kind of buttering my own bread by kind of, <laughs> that's how good the contract killer is. But... It just goes to show that, you know, if you do things in a different way and kind of an unexpected way, yeah, people appreciate it. Well, people just like clear communication. Yeah, I was made up, made up about that. <laughs> it was great. So last week we were just talking about the kind of general do's and don'ts, really, and why why we should use a contract. Some people don't, but, you know, why we think that you should. And some of those uh, common elements that need to go, I think anyway, into, into every contract. Yeah. So cover that kind of stuff. And what I thought would be a, a nice idea is if we talk about some of the details, um, you know, maybe some of the stuff that goes into Contract Killer, uh, some of the clauses and the sections, um, and then talk about why those things are relevant. Yeah. Because, you know, it's, it's broken down, I thought anyway, into some quite logical sections. Um, and inside each bit, I think there's there's a couple of key points that I think we need to to make in terms of a contract. Yeah. So starting it off, and I actually call the first section um, in the article about the contract killer. I actually call it setting a tone and laying the foundations for agreement. Yeah, I call mine description of this contract. I've got my uh, I've got my contract open. Okay. So. This is the this is the the introduction, if you like. This is the first thing that somebody is going to read after they've you know said, ah, it's got it's got a contract written at the top of it. Um, and in the contract killer, I say, we'll always do our best to fulfil your needs and meet your expectations. But it's important to have things written down so that we both know what's what, who should do what and when, and what will happen if something goes wrong. In this contract, you won't find any complicated legal terms or long passages of text. We've no desire to trick you into signing something that you might later regret. What we want is the best for both parties now and in the future. And I like to think that that's, as I say, laying this foundations for agreement because people have often commented that contracts are very one way. Yeah. You know, it's like... I'm asking you to sign something so that, you know, I maybe have the upper hand. 
Yeah. And to me anyway, a contract like any part of the business relationship is, is completely mutual. Yeah. And yeah, we can say this is the deadline. You know, or the client can specify, you know, here's the deadline. We need this thing by the end of November. But that's obviously dependent on a whole range of factors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's as much their responsibility as our responsibility to, you know, make sure that happens. Yeah. I've got a bit just at the end of my first paragraph saying, until you feel, until you sign it, please feel free to request to change bits of it to suit your requirements. And that's just an invitation to sort of discuss bits of it that the, the client might want to change or ask questions about. Why did you put that into the contract itself and not into the covering email that you send with it? I don't know. I think because I want to keep that in every every contract, you know, and it's clear that it's a two-way thing. I don't want it to be I, – I don't want it to be a, a contract in the sense that, you know, I, these are the terms that I can sue you with. Um, I want it to be more a discussion and an agreement – in writing of a discussion. That's really important because a lot of people do think that contracts is about this kind of, you know, the legal stuff. Yeah. You know, well, I can sue you if you don't, you know, if it's either written down or not written down or, you know, if something goes wrong. Yeah. These um, are the terms that I can, <laughs> I can sue you. And yeah. But that's not what it's about to me. I mean, it's about... Um, Here's how I work. Yeah. Here's setting the tone what- for agreement. The expectations are, and here's what I think the, or what I believe based on what you've told me the project is about and what you want from me. Yeah. And I think it's really important that you make it clear at the beginning that this is a partnership. This project is a relationship. And if it's going to go well, we need to work together and we are both jointly responsible because I, you know, I know that some people, some clients think that you know, when they hire you, that, okay, well, I'm paying you money, that's my bit of the deal, and you're going to do the work, and, you know... And there's no kind of, there's no, like, end in sight for that work. How do you know what what your role is? Mm. So, this is why I think it's really important that you say, in not so many words, listen, this is a partnership, um, we do this together... And, you know, we both work at it and it's a joint responsibility, not this. It's much more of a partnership than it is uh, like a client supplier relationship. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're not just buying something off me, you're not buying design time. You know, this is this is a a joint project. Um, And that I think even just doing that right at the very beginning will save you a lot of time and potential aggravation later on in the process, because when things go wrong, as sometimes they do, um, you know, they go wrong because, well, I don't care whether I'm late delivering that content. You know, if you have to make it up in your spare time, then, you know, uh, that kind of attitude that you get from people. Yeah. Um, And you can avoid that if you make it really clear, you really hammer it home at the beginning that this is, this is for both of us, not just for, not just for you or me. Yeah. So then there's some general stuff, you know, there's just like you, uh, customer name and you know, maybe their address. I don't know whether you need to put that in. Maybe you put, you know, you don't need to put that in right there. Maybe you've got the addresses and names and stuff further up, mm. you know, people split it out in different ways. Uh, you're hiring us to 
and you know in our case design and develop a website and i i cross different things out you know I'll, just, I, I'll put design sometimes i'm a little bit more specific so occasionally because you know if you're working with people like i work with sap on more than one project or wipo on more than one project yeah. we'll have a separate contract so this is going to be you know i to design for the WIPO green application, something like that. Right. Um, and then you put in here estimated total price of, and I always, always, always put estimated. Yeah. Um, because I don't know whether there's a better word for it, but I don't want to say approximately. <laughs> yeah. But I want to try to say there that the price that we quote may change based on certain factors. So I don't put anything about um, money other than my my rate in my contract. I have a separate contract which I call a um, well, it's a kind of a payment schedule, and that has all of the the kind of you know here's the es estimate. Um, just because I feel like that can change, and often when mm. you when you're inter entering into a contract, um, like a lot of projects I work on, there is no kind of budget for me. It's just we need your time for this many weeks or, you know, until this, this is done rather than have to produce an estimate. Yeah. I suppose what you could do is you could remove that whole price thing from that opening paragraph. Yeah. Um, and just say, you know, you're hiring us to design and develop a website um, and the payment terms or schedule are highlighted below something like that. And yeah, you can point yeah. people to it. If you've got more detail that you need to add. Um, I've say here as detailed or outlined in our previous correspondence, because obviously there's been a trail, yeah, you know, of estimates and quotes and stuff like that. Just on a side note, do you ever number your quotes or estimates or anything like that? Like you do your invoices? I put a date on it. Yeah, I do too. But I, I never actually have, you know, because what you could do here is you could say, you know, as outlined in our quotation, one, two, three, four, five. Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, I guess you could put the date or, yeah. Yeah, I, I would just put the date. I think um, it's important if you have like a payment schedule or anything with your rate on it to have a note about when that rate expires. Um, this is something that I'm going to start putting into my contract is, um, or payment schedule is just like, you know, this rate isn't going to be the same in five years' time. Because mm. otherwise, you know, they could come back to you a few years later and in the meantime your rate's gone up and um, that can be quite an awkward conversation. You know, it's like, oh, we paid you this much before. Yeah, I know. What, small tangent, though. Do you put an expiry date on your estimates or quotes? No, but I should. I don't really send out that many estimates. So I don't think I've sent one out for a couple of years now. I think we have a standard thing in the little small print at the bottom that says that it lasts for 30 days. Yeah, that would make sense. Because otherwise, yeah, somebody does come back to you. But, you know, it's a difficult situation because you do a quote for somebody. You know, let's say I did a quote for you six months ago. Yeah. And then you come, and then you know, the conversation, you know, doesn't happen like loads of things. You know, you, you send somebody a quote and often, unless you're kind of Mr. Salesman, uh, which I'm not, you <laughs> You don't hear from them for... No, and I don't follow it up. So then they come back to you sort of six months down the line and I don't know, maybe you're busy and you have to slot it in and maybe it costs more, maybe you've got employees or your circumstances have changed, something like that, and you want to change the rate. It's yeah, quite a, yeah. It's quite a hard conversation to go, actually, you know, I did quote you, like, you know... I have had that before where I've given a quote and then 
six to 12 months later, I think, they got back to me and said, yep, we want to go ahead next week. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) one, my rates changed and two, I don't have any availability. Um, And yeah, that's, that can be a difficult conversation. Um, So I think it would make sense to, to have kind of an expiry date and to also say when your availability is so that if they do decide months later to, to pursue, then, you know, you, you won't necessarily have time and yeah. I don't know whether you saw a tweet from me this week. Um, hang on, we're going off on a tangent again, but <laughs> we're good at that. I got an email from a prospective client. Sounds, sounds like a nice guy um, who wants some uh, branding design done. Oh, I did uh, see this. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, Andy wants a, you know, a website design to develop. And, you know, I'm still, it's not the biggest website in the world. It's hardly, you know, you know, it's not a big job, but his budget was 1500 pound. Right. Um, and I could have done a couple of things. I could have just basically ignored him and just deleted the email, which was quite tempting. But then I thought, Do you know what? No, that, that's, first of all, it's just rude. Um, cause he's taking the trouble to write. Yeah. But also, you know, maybe, you want to do a bit of education. Yeah. So what I did was I wrote back to him and I said, hey, James, thanks for writing and thinking about us. We'd love to help you with your branding and your website design, but I'm afraid your £1,500 budget is an issue. Yeah. And then I went into it. It's like if a web designer charges £60 an hour, which is not what we charge, but you know, it seemed like a reasonable fee. Um, not an unreasonable rate and certainly not excessive in comparison to other professionals such as lawyers and plumbers. Because, you know, just because your kid brother does websites doesn't mean to say that, you know, they should be worth 50 quid and a flake. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've often seen plumbers that charge more than some web designers. So I say well, that's £480 per day for an eight-hour day. Divide your budget by that and you just get over three days. I don't think you'll find even the most efficient design. I didn't want to talk about juniors or levels of, you know, skill or whatever. I just basically efficient. Um, I don't think you'll find even the most efficient designer who can produce new branding and design and develop a website in three days. Mm. It's like, okay. And actually, I, you know, I sent that to him and I got an email back to say, actually, thanks for your, um, you know, your frankness. I want to get the job done properly. Can you tell me how much it's going to cost? Mm. Um, and I sent him a proper estimate, which was nearer kind of about eight grand, mm. um, which is what I think it would have taken to do everything that he'd asked for. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, so far, I've not heard a thing back. <laughs> I, I saw, I think it was Sarah. I'm always quoting Sarah in this. Um, she wrote a post, something like why I can't do a website for a hundred pounds, something like that. I'll put a link in the show notes. For yeah, see if you can it. find it. Um, and she talked about, she basically wrote a blog post about what it what is involved in building a website, and it was in response to an email she'd got us from someone asking her to to build a website for um, for you know a few hundred pounds, um, and it it was really good. And I've done that before, where you know someone's asked me, "Oh, can you can you do me a website for a couple of hundred pounds?" And it's like, well, you know, think about how many hours it's going to take me to do that, and what that would equate to in terms of a rate, you know, I'd be better Mm. off working at McDonald's. Um, And it's not as a kind of like, it's not to be rude. It's not to kind of make the, make the person feel stupid. It's nothing like that. It's more as a kind of an education because 
there are people out there who will do a website for a very, very low rate, but that is often not sustainable and the quality is not likely to be as good because they're not going to be able to spend as much time on it. So I think it is important to to write back to people who ask those questions. Often, it, you know, often they're very lovely and very kind of understanding and grateful that you've taken the time to do that. Um, and I have done that before and it has led to work. Um, but, you know, I, I, if you do get those emails a lot, it would be good to kind of write something, either a blog post or a kind of a canned response just explaining that. Yeah, no, I, I just felt like doing it. And I, and, I, and I think you're right. It's not about making somebody feel small or stupid or cheap. Um, it's it's about just letting them know the, the real value of things, you know, how much things cost. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we might return to the subject of rates and stuff um, another time. So, yeah, I, in the contract, I just think that you need to just outline things right at the very beginning. Quick, simple summary. Um, we all get very bored when we read past the sort of the third paragraph of anything. <laughs> so I do feel that it's important just to you know set that tone at the beginning, um, and most importantly, make it a collaborative document rather than a you know a, a, an us and them. Yeah, and that's why in the second bit, I title that what both parties agree to do, and I haven't seen many other contracts that really kind of set that out yeah. because what, what I didn't want to do was I didn't want it to be all about us. You know, I didn't want it to be all about it's not, stuff. It's not dictatorship because that's no. not, that's true as well with the work that you do. You know, you, you're not, you're not some designer who's just going to tell them what to do and give them a, you know, give them a picture at the end of it. You're going to work with them and you're going to, um, you know, take their advice. They're going to take your advice. It's a collaborative thing. And it makes sense that your contract should be like that because that's the start of your conversation. Well, I did think that because I wanted, I wrestled with it for a while. I thought, do I put the us thing, us as in stuff thing first, or do I put the you thing first as in the client? Mm. Um, and in the end, I went for the client thing. Yeah. Um, because, you know, this is actually our contract. So, and what I said was, is that uh, in the you section, You've got the authority to enter into this contract on behalf of yourself, your company, or your organisation. I think we mentioned this before. Yeah, that's basically saying that you are, you know, you are in the position to enter into this contract. You've that the company has agreed to go ahead with the work, rather than someone who just wanted a, a website done. They're just going to do it very quietly and not tell anyone. Yeah. Do you ever ask for purchase orders from an accounts department? No, I've I've been given one before. I don't really understand what they are. Are they kind of like project numbers that are kind of approved? Well, I suppose you know you've an accounts department will will deal with invoices, you know, as in things that they're buying, but they'll also deal with um, you know purchase orders often. So the accounts department will generate a piece of paper that has a number on it yeah. that says um, we agree to you know buy this from you. Yeah. Um, and that way, when you invoice them, you quote that reference number. Yeah, that, yeah, I've done that, that before. Um, and some companies, you know, if you're dealing with a bigger organisation, um, you know, particularly something that's got, you know, a lot of departments or a lot of layers of management, mm -hmm. I think that it is worth getting a purchase order. It's uh, kind of like saying this number. is an official project. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, and some companies insist on it. I mean, some some companies like SAP, for example, we can't do anything unless we've got a purchase order. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas if you're dealing with a smaller client, then you know you're not going to ask them for a purchase order because effectively the contract signing is the same thing in a way. Right. So then I say you'll agree to give us everything that we need to complete the project as and when and in a format that we need it. Yeah. And obviously you'll have some other form of schedule, you know, maybe it's a project timetable or project plan that will, um, you know, detail what you're going to be working on and the things that they need to provide. But it's worth getting that in there first. And then you'll review our work, provide p- feedback and approval in a timely manner too. None of this kind of, um, yeah, well, the MD's gone off on holiday. He won't be back for two weeks. Yeah. You know, we need to, you know, we need approval, if particularly, you know, when we're doing our work, weekly working thing. You know, we, we, need, we need you to be looking at it all the time. You know, we need, we need you to be looking at something, you know, at five o'clock at night so you can talk to us about it at nine o'clock the following morning. So that's, that's important. And then it, I say deadlines work two ways. You know, you've got to be clear. You can't be kind of, you, know, you mustn't be defensive about this. You know, you can just basically say, look, deadlines work two ways. So you'll also be bound by the dates that we set. Yeah. Because, you know, the projects have got a notorious reputation for drifting, you know, and a week here and a week there when something doesn't quite get done, um, you know, maybe because somebody's off sick or they just don't get the stuff together or, you know, there's a exhibition and they all go off and do something else, right? That can have this massive uh, impact further on down the line for us. Because, you know, if they're two weeks late, we might be wanting to start something new. So it's just important to say, you know, you agree to stick to those dates and the payment schedule as well. Yeah. Because so otherwise you can't meet your deadlines. No, exactly. And I think it's really, really important that you accompany this with some form of you know, a simple explanation, something we've been writing, uh, which is basically, this is how we work on our projects. Yeah. You know, this is, this is what to expect when you, you know, when we, when we start working together. And then the last thing is on that particular bit is I say, listen, we, we, we have the experience and the ability to do everything that we've agreed to do and we'll do it in a professional and timely manner. We'll endeavor to meet every deadline that's set. And on top of that, we'll maintain the confidentiality of everything that you give us. And you could, if you wanted to, um, ask somebody to sign a little simple NDA as well. Yeah. Um, I don't get people to sign that all the time. Um, if it looks like something might, you know, might be a little bit, you know, the information that they're passing over, whether it's, you know, financial data or something like that, you know, we might sign a little mutual NDA, but nine times out of 10, I won't do that. And that's really that whole first section. Um, just setting that tone for what's going to happen next. Yeah, nice and short. Yeah, it doesn't need to be long. Um, and I think you made an important point when we're talking about this, is um, don't put stuff in this document or in this section uh, that you're not going to do. Yeah, yeah. So there's a, I've got a whole kind of almost like a boilerplate of all of the services I could provide. And I pick and choose based on the project what is going to be appropriate for that client. Um, so a lot of projects I work on, I, I build prototypes rather than kind of real websites. And I'm not going to put in there that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do lots of browser testing and that sort of thing because it's a prototype. I'm going to say, you know, what I'm going to 
um, what I expect it to work in. And if they want it to work in more than that, then they can come back to me and, and ask for that. Um, but I'm not going to put in loads of stuff by default that I'm not going to then provide or, or they're going to come back to me and say, oh, I thought you were going to do it like this. Yeah, no, it's really important. Really important. Um, I mean, I know that it's nice to have a, a boilerplate of stuff, you know, like this. The whole thing's a boilerplate mm. in terms of the contract. But, yeah, just, but just do, make sure. do customise it for each yes, client. You know, make absolutely. sure that what you're putting in there, you're actually prepared to provide that and you're not just putting it in there because it's in every contract. We should talk about our sponsor for this week. We should. It's so your favourite. It's my favourite. It's Perch. Um, hey! Have you seen the little website Laura Cowbag has done? Um, it's like a dog walk talk thing. I saw you two talking about it, but I haven't seen the site yet. So Laura does like this um, every, I think it's every week. Uh, she goes on a little, she does her dog walk. Um, she's got a dog called Oscar. It's really cute. I thought um, it was called Gigapup. That, that's, her, that's its Twitter handle. Um, it's, it's a lovely husky. It's so cute. <laughs> and um, she does a little talk, like, well, not really a talk. It's more, it's more just like to invite other dog walkers and people who just want to come along who don't have dogs like me um, to come and sort of go on a little walk in the countryside and chat about web design. I think it's really nice because it's like, you know, it's out in the country and you're not kind of stuck in a room talking about, things it's yeah i'd like that so i'm gonna go i've got some time this week and i'm gonna go to that um but basically um laura built that site in perch and it's it's a really really nice site it's responsive and um i'll put the link in the show notes just have a look at that site because it's a really good example of what you can build with perch and something that she's also done um for perch is that she's built these kind of uh, she's built an example site um which is like a, a demo of um, of how Perch works and what you can do with it. Um, and it's a template that you can use uh, if you're building a website. Um, and I think it's really nice that Perch have done this because when you when you start learning a new CMS, that's a that can be a really steep learning curve, and you know it's kind of scary. So especially if you're busy with client projects, you you, you probably don't have that time to find. Um, to get familiar with one that you've not used before or even find out if it's suitable for the type of site you're building. So having a look at what they've, what the example sites are is a really good way of finding out if Perch is right for you. Um, they've got these three online demonstration sites uh, that you can look at and so you can get a better feel of um, whether Perch is right for you. Uh, and what you do is you pop in your email address and they send you a link to your own hosted demo and you can see what it's like to use Perch without needing to build an entire site just to try it out. And you can log into the admin area and tweak all the content, show it to your clients, see if they're happy with it too. One site shows the bare bones content editing without too much styling applied. And the second is a more kind of fully built out corporate site. And that's the one that was designed by Laura. And the last one uses lots of the free add-ons to show a site with a blog, members section, events, diary, and so on. And that was designed by Paddy Donnelly of Left. He's good. I really yes. like the site he did. Yeah, he's a good designer. 
as you can expect, all of the demos are responsive and the code for the pages and templates used is on GitHub. So you can have a look and see for yourself how they were built. And you can see that Perch is one of those lovely CMSs that doesn't create gibberish code like a lot of CMSs do. It lets you use your own markup and then you just kind of plug in the bits that you want Perch to generate. And they've put up a new video tutorial showing how the corporate demo site was built, starting from installing Perch right through to adding the blog and forms. And the videos that they do, they're always really well made. Perch has come a massive way over the past few years. So the example sites are also a great way to see what's changed since you've last looked, if you've, if you've already used Perch before. And all the code is available on GitHub, which... I'll obviously be using as reference for my projects to see how different types of site with different content have been implemented with Perch. And I also really like that having the add-ons available in the demo site also means that if a client wants to see how an add-on works before I install it, they can see the admin experience via that demo. So yeah, that's Perch and I really, really recommend it because I've used it for years and I love how it works. I love that it doesn't splurge out loads of horrible markup it just lets me use my own markup um, and have a look at the demos for yourself at grabaperch.com forward slash unfinished and they'll know that we sent you well we've got one of the things that we were supposed to do this coming week which we're gonna um fit in now uh is a little site for a travel company down in africa yeah and that's going to be a perch build nice. and what we said is is that we're going to set aside a block of time this week all of the templates are done we've we've done something which i wouldn't normally do which is every single page of the website is now designed in static html yeah that's how i always do it um, i mean you know sometimes we might just build one template and then let them use their imagination but yeah. this time we've built like a dozen uh of individual static pages and you know obviously i've used hammer and stuff to make that a bit easier too and break every all the code down and then this coming week we are going to put that into Perch and we're all going to learn it. You know, we're going to look at the videos. Um, yeah, cause I want everybody to be familiar with how Perch works. And it's, I think it's going to be our, unless we're into something, you know, that maybe stretches a little bit more. I think Perch is going to be our standard from now on. Yeah. I, I love it just cause like Joe and Rachel who built it, you know, they, they're both really great front end developers and they really care about the markup and it's, it's just a really, really nice CMS. I love mm. it. So we should get back to contracts. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it be a long show. I know we should do a whole show about Perch, but yeah. maybe not this week. <laughs> so the next section down in this contract um, is where I say that we should get down to the nitty gritty of what the job involves. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not one for just listing things out in terms of bullet points. You know, I'm not going to say, well, we'll work on this and we'll work on that and this template and this section or this feature. Um, I like to keep things kind of short because I think that that detail maybe belongs in another document. Yeah, you know, it's maybe... almost like a spec rather than a contract. Exactly. And that's why, you know, you might refer to another document, but I just want to keep it kind of um, general. And I want it to make a, 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 a few key points that maybe the client doesn't understand. Yeah. So what I say here is that we'll create look and feel designs um, and flexible layouts that adapt to the capabilities of many devices and screen sizes. Now, obviously, you know, this is for our work, right? So we're, we're responsive by default. We, you know, we're web designers that make responsive websites. So 
this section is all about what we do. If you're a PHP developer, you're going to be writing something else. Yeah. Um, but the point is, is that it's setting the tone again for, you know, how we work. So we create designs iteratively and use predominantly HTML and CSS. So we won't waste time mocking up every template as a static visual. Now, you know, it's important that you say that because lots of clients, you know, maybe they've run web projects in the past. Maybe they, you know, maybe the last time that they designed or redesigned was before the whole, you know, responsive mobile thing. Yeah. So maybe they're expecting that they're going to hire a designer that's going to give them PSDs. Yeah, and they might and be very disappointed if you haven't mentioned that and they get these HTML and CSS templates. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. And, you know, this process works for us, but it might not work for everybody. But it's just important to, to get that done. Um, and then I talk a little bit about this whole design atmosphere concept and, you know, what we provide. And then, this is the important bit, I'll say you'll have two or more weekly opportunities to review our work and provide feedback. Now, what I don't say is I don't say you'll have daily, because, you know, often you can. Often you can do daily, daily stand-ups. But, you know, with the best will in the world, sometimes you miss a day. You know, you might be traveling or they just, you know, you might just be wanting to yeah. carry on. So I say two or more weekly opportunities because I think that's enough. And it's way, way, way more than lots of people give. You know, some people go, we'll give you two or three rounds of revisions. I've seen that before, right? But I just want it to be that, you know, we're not this kind of company that, you know, we won't work for a week and then show you something or, you know, two weeks and then show you something and say, how is that? You know, I want to be talking to people the whole time because that yeah. cuts down on the approval cycle a lot, a lot. And then I say, if at any stage you're not happy with the direction that our work is taking, you'll pay us in full for everything we've produced until that point and cancel the contract. Now, this is where, I mean, we've talked a little bit about this before. Maybe I need to think a little bit more about a kill fee. Yeah. Um, but I haven't done that yet. Is that so something I haven't put that it in. Uh, Mike Montero is talking about? Yeah. And, you know, I think he's got good reason for mentioning these things. I don't think we've ever encountered a situation where we might need one. No, well, but, twice, but it's good to have something in there about that. Especially if, you know, they're having problems, you know, especially if it's a startup or something, if they get to the point where they can't pay you anymore, you know, wh where do you stand? Yeah, exactly. So that's it's just important to get that stuff done. And I, I need to think about this kill fee thing a little bit more, but, you know, I, I haven't had a burning need to, to do it. So the uh, is the kind of intention with the kill fee to uh, if you if the client wants to con uh, or you want to cancel the contract, um, you're not going to be kind of out of pocket for the time that um, you would have worked on that project that you've booked aside to work on their project. Yeah, I think that's what it's work. for. So yeah, if you've it? booked for three months and then they cancel after a month, you might be you know two months out of pocket. Right. So I think that that's what it's about. And I can't speak from experience or from, I can't, it's been a while since I've read Mike's book, but I think that that's what it is. And it might be, you know, tw you'll pay 25% of the time that we didn't do or 50% of the time that we didn't do something right. like that. I'm sure. On the uh, making changes stuff, um, I've got a kind of similar version where I say, um, 
sort of if you decide at some point down the line that you want to make additions to any original specification we've both agreed on this won't be a problem and you can be charged at a daily rate on top of that original estimation um, but you'll need to put your requests in writing so that I can keep track of changes and what I'm saying there is that hey this is completely normal if you want to kind of add stuff to the project or change any of the specification we just need to make sure that we both agree on that um, and also if it takes any extra time um, then I can give you my daily rate for that. Yeah you've made some slightly different to how I'd phrase that paragraph I think. Yeah. Because what I've said is we don't want to limit your ability to change your mind and the price that we're quoting here um, is you know is that's the starting point. Right so you're kind of saying it's inclusive or... Well, I'm saying that everything that yeah, everything that we've said that we do, that's what that's what the price is for. Right. Um, but you know, we're happy to be flexible. And if you want to change your mind, that won't be a problem. We'll provide a separate estimate for that. Yeah. So it's yeah. It's, it's it's basically the same thing as as, as yours. Yeah. Just with, just with slightly different words. And something else that um, I'd recommend you do is uh, add sort of like a price list to the contract, especially if you work like if you've got a studio and you've got different rates for things. Um, just attach a price list so that if they do want to make changes, um, they can see how much that's going to cost. And also, like we mentioned before, uh, put an expiry date on that so that if your if your rates change later on, you're not kind of tied to that rate. Yeah, I've never thought about doing that because you know everything that we do is just part and parcel of you know making a website. Yeah. So I've never really thought about that. I suppose if you're doing things like you know, if you're on a really tight budget, that really helps. You know, if, if you've if you've kind of been negotiating and you're saying, well, we can take this out of the project and this out um, to to reduce the the overall cost. Um, if they do want to add things later on, you know, like towards the end of the project, if they've got more budget um, or leftover budget, then they might want to sort of hire you for other things. Yeah, so I suppose it's because we don't do any of that other kind of conventional web designer thing. Right. Um, you know, we, we don't do anything to do with SEO, so there's no kind of ongoing stuff. I, I had to put something in my contract about SEO just because um, I had some uh, clients who expected me to do SEO. Like they, they uh, it was always like towards the end of the project or after I put the site live, you know, they'd email me a couple of hours later and say, oh, why isn't my site at the top of Google? And <laughs> I'd realised, ah, I haven't had this conversation with them about how kind of Google works and um, how I'm not I'm not sort of an SEO expert. Um, so I have this little bit in my contract um, saying, I cannot guarantee any improvement to a search en- engine ranking, nor can I promise to get a site higher up or to the top of Google. Um, but I do build every site in a way that is accessible to search engines in an effort to increase its chances. And I put in brackets, I concentrate on how people use a site, not how they get there. Okay, I really just, like that. That's just to make it absolutely clear. Like, I'm. this is not my job to do that. If you want someone that does that, I'm not that person. I'm only interested in, in how people actually use a site when they're there. Yeah, I, I'm not so keen on the on the last sentence that I concentrate on how people use the site, not how they get there, because I think that's kind of two issues. Um, it's, it's sort of different from the main issue of you know I don't promise to get you on top of Google. Right. We'll we'll come to 
we'll come to exclusions later on, probably next week, maybe. Yeah. Uh, where we talk about, for example, um, you know, for us, we don't provide hosting. And that would be a perfect place where that would go, oh, I think. yeah, yeah. I think, um, do you know what? This is one of the reasons why I think it's good that the Contract Killer is open source. You know, you should go on there and, because um, it's on GitHub, and add that contract and that clause in. You should, I think you should do that. It's just as important to put what services you don't provide as well as the ones you do, just to kind of, so that you don't have any kind of, the client doesn't have any false expectations for what you're going to provide them. No, right. I mean, absolutely. I don't, I'm not going to put stuff in there though. That's, you know, we're not going to do PHP or uh, .NET. We're not going to put all that stuff, <laughs> no, no. but I think that that, I think that that paragraph about SEO dis, d- belongs in the default contract. Yeah. I think it, it could be written a lot better, but well, it was, I really just put it in there to avoid that kind of, uh, that kind of expectation can you whatever it is fork it and submit it or whatever yeah yeah on GitHub, i'll do that and then um and then i'll add it in because that's genius i hadn't even thought about seo i also have a little bit in there about um do you, last week we we're talking about r35 and we mentioned that it's important to um uh, mention that you you know it's it's not hiring you it's hiring the company um, so I have a bit in there saying I may need to assign subcontractors to the project to ensure it's completed on time or if I'm ill or, you know, can't, can't work on it for whatever reason. And in this event, I'd need to disclose information about the project to them. Um, I think that was something that was, I spotted in your contract. Um, but it's useful to have it in there because of IR35. Yes. Yeah. See, I just don't know whether that's necessary for us because if somebody's hiring our company how we subdivide the work is kind of up to us yeah i'm just thinking for especially things like ndas well ndas are covered though and if we if we have an nda that we sign it's it's stuff that signs the nda yeah so rather than an individual well i ask all my uh, contractors to sign a, a blanket nda about our work anyway um and that means that they're they should be covered for every project. And then when we sign something with a client, it's, you know, we're, we're passing that on. Yeah. So I don't know whether I would need to be so explicit as, as you're being there. Yeah. I've never had to hire a subcontractor, but yeah, I usually just recommend someone and the client hires them. I think that's a lot better. Um, cause then I don't have to be like a project manager. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to worry about paying them and all that sort of thing. Um, I much prefer it with the client kind of hires them but ah right i see but i think it it makes sense to put something in there saying you know i might need to get some some help on working on something yeah no i I, we we wouldn't have to do that on our side i don't think Mm. we've got lots left to talk about but shall we roll that into the next Show? Yeah, I think so. Because what I'd like to do next time is I'd like to get down to a little bit more nitty gritty about how you, um, or how we specify things like testing. Yeah. In a yeah. Contract. So we've both got a lot in our contracts about what sort of testing that we do, you know, browser testing and um, also, I guess, stuff about responsive design, what, what sort of, what browsers we're testing on, what devices we're testing on. Yeah. That, that's quite a big subject because I think it says a lot about how you work in terms exactly. of, you know, being progressive in terms of use of technologies. But also, 
just stopping any headaches down the line when somebody goes, oh, I've just tried this on my Blackberry Bold and it doesn't work, <laughs> you know. It used to be Netscape 4, now it's Blackberry Bold. And Blackberries is like the Netscape 4 of the mobile world. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll talk about that a lot next week. Cool. So, yeah, we should wrap it up. We should wrap it up. So you can email me at shehas at unfinished.bz and Andy is he has at unfinished.bz or you can email us both at they have at unfinished.bz. All the links that we mentioned in this episode are on our show notes and you can find them at unfinished.bz forward slash 29. To ask us questions and suggest topics, message us on Twitter at unfinishedbz. And please rate us on iTunes because it's really nice to see people put nice messages. Mm, please do. Don't put anything if it's going to be nasty because it'd be sad. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again to our sponsor this week, Perch, the little content management system for projects where you don't want a big, complex CMS. And you can support the show by supporting them by going to grabaperch.com forward slash unfinished. And we have sponsor spots available over the coming weeks and months if you'd like to put your product or service in front of thousands of discerning geeks. We'll see you next week. Wiedersehen. Do you want to do one of those claps? Yeah, let's clap. <laughs> Go on then. One, one two, two, three. Perfect. That was really off. Oh, you always say that. Go on, we just have... Go on, one more. One, one two, two, three. three. Yes. Actually, that was pretty good. That was exactly the same. Okay, we must not have any lag. Excellent. <laughs> Ah, dear. Right, should we go? Are you going to do this all in German? Yeah. (laughs) We're not going to get any angry emails from people, are we? I don't know, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Send them them to you. Yeah. Did you see? I put a link in the show notes to... Don't you want to know what I said, by the way? The Leaps Eisville. I'll Google it. And I, I imagine it's something embarrassing. It's not, actually. No, it's something digital. I can see you. I can see you in the Google Doc. <laughs> Cutting and pasting this one. Oh, it's worth the reaction. I put a link in the show notes to a video on YouTube that we found. Um, our friend, uh, who is the chairman, uh, Mel Lang, sent me a link to how German sounds compared to other languages. Have you watched this video yet? She loves ice cream too much. Exactly. That's what it says. Zu liebt Eis zu viel. See? <laughs> no, um, I, haven't, I haven't watched the video. You should watch it. It's really Is funny. it the song? No, no, no. It's just a bunch of words. In fact, you have to look at it now. Go on, now click on it now. Have a look. I'm going to do the same. It's really exciting. No, it is. It's really funny. And then we can just edit the, the soundtrack into the show. You love it. See what I mean? Butterfly. Butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> I love the German guy. <laughs> He's really angry. Kugelschreiger. <laughs> Margarita. Margarita. Margarita.
Do you know, I, I don't think I've told you this. Um, when Alex was growing up, we, we, we liked Blackadder. Do you ever watch Blackadder? Yeah. And you know the last series, Blackadder Goes Forth, where you know, it's the First World War? Yeah. And he, there's this one I particular... I had to watch that in my history lesson. Oh, it's brilliant. It's just classic. And this is one particular episode where, I think it's communication problems or something like that, when... Uh, Blackadder's pretending that the phone doesn't work or he's getting cross lines or something. And he says in, in the show, he says, Schnell, Schnell, Katopelkopf. <laughs> and we just remembered this word, right? But we never knew what it was, what it meant. Um, I forgot all about it. And when Alex and I went over to Smashing Conf last year, we were sitting in a restaurant with the Smashing Magazine guys and Mark Teal from Beyond Tellerand. Mm-hmm. And Alex just brought it up. He's like, Mark, you know, what does, what does Katopelkopf mean? And Mark and Vitaly said, oh, no, everybody says that here. Um, you know, when you ask for something, maybe when you ask the waiter for another beer, you just say, you know, uh, ein beer bitter Kartoppelkopf. And Alex is like, I think they're setting me up. Yeah. I think they're really setting me up. And actually, it means potato head. <laughs> yeah, it means potato head. So he didn't actually say it, but it's very funny. 